Welcome to today's Triple Z. The Triple Z Podcast is a daily program that you can use to help you fall asleep each night. Just turn down the volume, lay back, relax, and enjoy as you fall asleep. The Wanderers by Mary Johnston is a novel set in Virginia in the late 18th century. The story follows the lives of two families, the Garth family, who are wealthy landowners, and the Falconers, who are poor but proud. The main characters are Molly Garth and Ralph Falconer, who fall in love despite the differences in their social status. Molly's father, Colonel Garth, disapproves of their relationship and tries to keep them apart. However, when Molly's brother is killed in a duel with a member of the Falconer family, she and Ralph decide to elope. They are pursued by Colonel Garth and the rest of the Garth family, as well as the law. The couple eventually find sanctuary in the Blue Ridge Mountains, where they start a new life together. However, their happiness is short-lived as the Garth family continues to pursue them. The novel culminates in a dramatic confrontation between the two families, which ultimately leads to a tragic and unexpected ending. Overall, The Wanderers explores themes of love, class, and the struggle for survival in a harsh and unforgiving world. If you enjoy our program, please be sure to write us a review on your podcast platform and share us with a friend. You both might sleep just a little better at night. Our website is triple Z, that's three Z's dot media. You can also like and share our content on Facebook or our Instagram account CZZ Media Podcast. Music for today's episode was provided by the Sleep Channel on Spotify. Chapter 1 The Forest Trees and trees and trees a world of trees. Little size and middle size and giant size, short and tall, slender and thick, broad-leafed, narrow-leafed, rough-barked, smooth-barked, dark green, bright green, one solid hue, or spangled or variegated with many colored flowers, trees that bore nuts, trees that bore fruit, and trees starkly idle and useless to a frugivorous folk. Trees and trees and trees trees leaning their heads against one another, trees pressing side to side, trees tied together by the endless vines going looping through the world, trees and trees and trees. Overhead, through the network, showed small pieces of sky, big pieces of sky were seen only when you came to streams. Sunlight struck down in flakes were darts, never as brightness formless and unconfined. At night, looking up from the nest-like arrangements of sticks and forest debris heaped between the forks of trees, three or four stars might be seen at once. The host of stars was rarely seen. The big animals, going down to the wire streams to drink, might see the heavens, but, as a general thing, the tree folks saw only the forest. As a general thing. Occasionally, in their lives, the horizon inexplicably widened or the zenith went up higher. The big animals stood and walked so that their eyes were not of much use when it came to things on top. 
the tree folk had learned how to get about differently, and they had hands, and they stood more or less uprightly, and they used their eyes so that they saw things on top as well as things around them, and they were beginning to think, and they had great curiosity. She swung herself down from bough to bough until she touched the black loam and the trampled plants beneath the tree. She had a young one clinging to her neck. The tree was a bad tree. It had rocked and shaken and made a noise all night. She was so angry with it that she turned and struck it with her hands and feet. Then she settled the young one upon her shoulder and went off to a thicket where grew very good fruit. But the day had begun wrong. A lot of other folk were there, too, and they tried to push her away, and though she got her breakfast it was a poor one, and the crowd was a quarrelsome, scolding crowd. She went off and sat down under a tree and looked at them. A thing happened that, in her individual experience, had never happened before. She experienced a distinct feeling of being outside of it all not outside with a sense of injury, but quite calmly outside. She criticized the tree folk. The young one drummed against her breast with its feet. She pulled it down from her shoulder and it lay upon her knees and she smiled at it and it smiled at her. She was very fond of it. All the tree folk smiled with a kind of grimacing smile, using only the lips. But now this morning a second thing happened. She smiled with her eyes. It gave her a very singular feeling, a feeling that linked itself with the earlier one. This tree was thin-topped. Looking up, she saw quite unusual pieces of sky. Across the largest a white cloudlet went sailing. The folk in the fruit thicket fell into a tremendous quarrel, yelling at one another. She scrambled to her feet and made the sound that meant, get on my back and hold tight. We are going to travel. The young one obeyed and the two set forth. Trees, 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 trees. Fighting for breathing space, shouldering away their fellows, sucking each its hardest from the earth, striving each its hardest, out with its arms, up with its head, up to the light. And all tied together, tied together with endlessly looping ropes, green and brown and gray, cupped and starred and fringed with purple and orange and white and scarlet. Over all and from all the creepers stretched and dangled. Trees and trees and trees. Helplessly many, chained each to the other. Sometimes she and the young one traveled in the trees and over the stretched brown ropes, and sometimes she made her way through the cane and fern and wild and varied growths that overspread the fat black earth out of which had burst the trees. The colored birds whistled and shrieked, and now and again, in the green gloom, she heard tree folk calling and answering. But she avoided the tree folk. She was still critical. It grew dark in the universal forest. The red and green and orange birds ceased whistling and the insect people whirring and chirping. The butterflies went to their bark homes. Off, she said, which meant lightning will flash and thunder will roll, trees will snap, 
water will come down and the air will grow cold. It all happened just in that order. She and the young one found an overhanging rock with a rock floor beneath. They crept into the opening that was like the jaws of a monster and cowered their faces down. Ugh! The light in sheets and the noise. There was not, this time, much water. She hated water when it came like this, cold and stinging, just as she loved it when it presented itself in pools when one was thirsty and hot with racing through trees. She had not as yet worked it out that it was lovely or hateful according to the angle from which it was approached, that the water apparently did not plan what it should do nor how it should come, and that it was you yourself who accomplished that partition into qualities. If she reasoned at all, it was to the effect that the water very actively cared, now hating and now helping. The young one whimpered and whimpered, and it irritated her, and she beat it. Yelling, it rolled away from her to the other end of the rock floor. And then the bright light and the horrible noise stopped, and the water ceased to dash against her like cold, with leaves, and the sun came out sudden and strong, and a snake crept over the rock, coiled and darted its head above the young one that was lying sobbing to itself. She saw the snake and she screeched with terror, then she leaped and caught it with both hands just below the head that was flat and pointed like a leaf and dragged it away from the young one. It writhed and lashed about and struck at her, but she held it tighter and tighter and trampled it with her feet and choked it until it was dead. Then she flung it from her over the rock and shivered with her shoulders and then she gathered up the young one and the two traveled on. They traveled nearly all day, seeing nothing but trees and the plants that hid the soil from sight and the inhabitants of trees and the folk whose feet had always to be upon the earth. The world was anything but unpopulous. There were beings who flew and beings who climbed and beings who crept or glided and beings who walked four-footed and the tree folk who both walked and climbed. When she came to the hot, still, narrow streams which she crossed by means of the festooned creepers, she saw beings who swam. It grew late. Where was any space for the shadow of a tree to fall, it fell. Always the world was quiet in the great heat of the middle day. Evening was the time when all the world began to talk at once all, that is, but the big animals. They waited for full night, and then they roared, they roared. The tree folk were afraid of the big animals, dreadfully afraid. The young one was hungry. She pulled it across her shoulder to her breast and gave it milk, and at the next fruit tree they came she stopped and got her own supper. By the time this was done it was almost night. Before her there showed an opening where grass grew. It sloped to a stream and it supported two or three tall, creeper-clad trees. Through the bushes about the supper tree came a curious, dancing light. Observing this, she followed the instinct of all tree folk and crept forward to see what might be seen. One of the trees had been struck by lightning and it had fallen upon the earth. It lay there all its length and it was a fire. 
She and the young one sat beneath the bushes and watched it with odd interest. In their history, tree folk had met with this phenomenon often enough to learn that you must not touch, that you must not even go very close. When you did so, it was worse than all kinds of big animals. The flame flickered in and out among the branches and ran along the trunk. A light smoke curled up and she could hear the tree talking. It made a crackling talk. The burning mass warmed and lit the dusk. She and the young one were so interested that they went closer and closer. It occurred to her to find out how close you could go. So she went cautiously, cautiously, very close indeed. Up to a certain point that was pleasant enough, but one step farther on it began to sting. She jerked back, frightened, but fascinated. Now again it was pleasant. It seemed that it was angry only when you came too close. Keep a little away and it was the best of friends. She and the young one sat on the ground and thought about it. A long, broken bough, slender and bare as a bamboo, happened to lie there, one end touching the fiery tree, the other close to her hand. Her hand chanced to close upon it as it might have closed upon creeper or young bough in the trees. Something more happened. She lifted this stick with the fire at one end like a pennant, lifted it and moved it to and fro, the fire making lines and circles in the air. Her brain worked. The stick gave her a long arm, an arm much longer than anybody else's, with active, bright fingers at the end of it. If you could take it with you, no one had ever thought of carrying the bright, stinging thing. The flame blew down the stick toward her and she was horribly frightened. Dropping the bough, she picked up the young one and fled. In the shortest of times, it was dark night. Day stayed only where was the red, stinging thing. She was in a region of cane and bush. That was not safe, she and the young one must get back to treeland. And then, just as she was puckering her brows over this, she heard the big animal. The big animal came against her through the canes. She caught the rustling sound they made when they were brushed aside, and she heard breathing and she saw eyeballs in the dark. Screeching, she turned with the young one and ran. There were no trees, no trees, no safety, only blind, exceeding terror. The big animal was coming, the big animal was coming, it was sending its voice before it. The young one, screeching too, gripped her fast. She tore through the cane, back the way she had come, and the big animal with glaring eyes rushed after her. It was coming and bounced closer, oh, closer. She broke through the cane into that open space where the tree still burned. The pursuer came after her and the young one. It was big and hungry. She felt its hot breath. Face over shoulder, she saw its bare teeth. She found a voice that was human. She shrieked. Along the ground lay the brand that, a while ago, she had lifted and waved. It was shorter than it had been, but yet it was fit for use. 
She snatched it up, turned and thrust it, flaming against the muzzle of the big animal. She made deliberate use of fire. The beast that was after her roaring drew back, then made to come on again. With all her strength, she fought it over the eyes with fire. Roaring with pain, it turned and fled. She threw down the flaming staff, and with the young one on her back, chattering wildly, never stopped until the forest was about her, until, finding a tree with a sinewy, swinging curtain of vine, she had drawn herself and the young lot from bow to bow, up to where, on high, in the comfortable fork of two great branches, she reached what she esteemed as safety. Night passed, dawn came. It came still and red, with a mist over a water where long-legged, long-billed, scarlet and white bird people waited about. They fished or stood on one leg pondering the universe, or not pondering it, as you choose. She and the young one looked down at clear forty feet and saw great roots of trees and between them black, yielding earth. The light strengthened, and they leaped and slid and swung out of this tree into another, and then another, and so they went by trees and trees and trees until they came to firm ground and saw below them bushes with fruit. The young one locked its hands about her neck and she sprang and swung, now upon this bough, now with this liana between her hands. So they came to the ground and the fruit bushes that were all covered with bloomy, purple orbs. It was a good and quiet breakfast. There were creeping folk and flying folk in this part of the world, but she saw and heard no tree folk. She and the young one sat down upon the ground. The young one fell to pulling at some tufts of grass, patting them and making its own range of sounds, but she sat with her chin on her knees and her eyes down. Yet another thing was happening. All tree folk, of course, remembered even the big animals did that, everybody did it. But they did not know that they remembered, they never gave the matter a thought. To their apprehension, each day was taken up de novo. But now not only did she remember, but she was aware that she remembered. Not clearly, of course, only vaguely, but still aware. She was going over. She was returning to a time that was not this present time. The big animal, his eyes and claws and teeth a bright thing jumping up and down and climbing over the tree on the ground the feel of it, pleasant when you were a little way off, but the most dreadful bite of all if you touched it. Back of the bright thing was the storm and the snake that had tried to bite the young one and back of that was the poor breakfast and the quarrelsome crowd of tree folk and how strange and unfamiliar they had all of a sudden looked to her. And back of that, but she could not go any farther back. It was as though there were a deep stream and the creeper that had stretched across was broken. It was the bright thing to which she returned most fully the bright thing and the stick. Beneath the fruit trees lay enough of broken and dead wood. Her hand went out to the nearest piece which she lifted and with some delight brandished. She spoke. As yet her language was almost as limited as that of the big animals, but what she meant was, I have a long arm, a longer arm than anybody else's. 
Three or four feet away a lizard lay on a stone. She touched it with a stick. Then, as it raised its head, she struck with force and killed it. This result caused her to chatter with surprise. She had not been angry with the lizard she had not laid hand or foot upon it. The long arm had killed it but she had moved the long arm. She knew certain aspects of death well enough. That lizard, no more than the snake of yesterday, would run about again. She sat and thought. Then she took the stick and, rising, struck with it a cluster of purple fruit which had been beyond reach. The fruit came tumbling down upon the grass. The long arm was good, then, for that, too. Out of the wood came one of the tree folk, one of the other kind, the kind that did not carry young ones around with them, the kind into which half of the young ones grew. He was at some distance and did not at once see her. She stood and watched him coming. The two were about of a height, but the other kind because it did not have young ones and did not have to spend much of its time gambling with young ones and watching young ones because it roamed more, because it had, perhaps, a certain surplus of explosive energy which set it to contending with its fellows or sent it, day and night, howling and racing through the trees. Because of this and because of that the other kind was ahead in muscular development. Muscular development meant a heightened muscular sense. The other kind had, undoubtedly, a somewhat greater delight in movement and action from which, in the fullness of time, might spring a certain initiative and enterprise and a vast and various network of results. The kind that had young ones, nursed them and carried them about, had its superiorities, too, due again to a range of matters beyond its present comprehension. But neither of them knew about his or her own or the other's superiorities. They were a very simple folk tree folk. The other kind now saw her, and after an instant of gazing, came on. Although she had been so critical, yesterday, of the tree folk, she found measuring by her standards she found this one rather a strong and comely individual. She had traveled, relatively speaking, a long way without any other company than a young one. She certainly experienced a sensation of friendliness. The two stood jabbering at the edge of the wood. She had dropped the stick, but now she stooped and picking it up flourished it about and with the end struck off a cluster of fruit. Parade and showing off however they got into the world, here they were. The other kind gave a deep screech of surprise, then stood, spellbound, watching this so marvelous performance, then by degrees became wildly excited. He put out both hands, seized the stick, and tried to take it from her. There was much wood upon the ground, but he could not conceive that any other piece would serve. She had the only stick. She resisted, and they quarreled, both clutching the stick, jabbering each at the other. Both put forth force to keep the thing that knocked down fruit. But there was actually more strength in his long arms and large hands than in hers. He wrested the stick from her and grinned with delight in its possession. 
It is probable that, of late, changes had been occurring among the particles of his own brain. Probably he, too, had been making discoveries. Neither the one nor the other might corner discovery. At any rate, he now began to experiment with the stick. He knocked from the tree all the purple fruit in reach, and then he sat down upon the ground and with the end of the staff scraped at the earth and beat the grass flat. His interest in what he was doing grew and grew. She had gone away, sulking, to the young one. But it was impossible long to resist the fascination of this new extension of power. She came and sat down in the grass and watched. She was friendly again, and he, too, having the stick, was gracious. He was a young, strong, well-looking member of the tree folk. Lying about were some small stones, miniature boulders. He struck the end of the stick beneath one of these, put his weight upon the other end, and lifted the stone out of its bed. The lever was here. Both of them jabbered with excitement. There were other stones. She wanted to disturb one, too, and she came across and put her hand upon the stick. Let me, meant the sound which she uttered. But he jabbered back and shook her off and went on turning over stones. Very angry, she returned to the charge and, watching her chance, suddenly jerked the stick from him. He sprang to his feet and seized it again. She screamed at him and held it stubbornly a good, thick piece of wood it was. The other kind, now in a violent passion, tugged and wrenched until he got it from her. Then, with suddenness, he found yet another use for a piece of wood. He knocked her down with it, and when, with a cry of fury, she rose to her feet, he repeated the action. <laughs>